Hi, you made it. Welcome back to those who listened to episode one. And if you're brand new, welcome. Uh, episode two of the Pickleball Diaries. Uh, big thank you to everyone who listened on the last episode. Um, hopefully my voice sounds a lot crisper this time. I clearly recorded in too small of a room, so there was some little bit of background noise there. So growing pains with the new podcast, so we'll see how we go now. In today's episode, we're gonna I'm going to go over stacking. Um, my thoughts on that, I'll also explain what stacking is for those of you who aren't sure. We're also going to go over upcoming tournaments in Western Canada this year, and then we'll finish off the episode with some listener questions. If you want to send in some questions for the next podcast for me to answer or read off, um, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Amazon, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on a bunch of different podcast things now, so just type in the Pickleball Diaries and you'll be able to find us there. And if you want to connect on social net, um, platforms, it's Gorms1307, that's G-O-R-M-S-1307 on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you also want to look at some uh, highlights of uh, some of the matches me and Irene have played in, you can check out our YouTube channel at uh, AG Squared Pickleball. All right, let's get on with the episode. Oh, what a shot. then so tournaments coming up this year i'm going to do western canada only just because for where i live these are the most likely tournaments i can possibly visit depending on work schedule and what i'm going to do is i'm going to go starting in bc and work my way over all the way to manitoba so these as of this recording are the sanctioned tournaments that are listed either on the pickleball brackets website or on that province's Pickleball website, which you can go to. There's Pickleball BC, there's Pickleball Alberta, there's Pickleball Saskatchewan, Pickleball Manitoba, and then they all use Pickleball brackets to, for the actual tournament listing and schedules. Now, I'm only picking sanctioned tournaments just for simplicity reasons. Um, there's lots of other tournaments listed there, but the sanctioned tournaments are where you uh, can improve your ranking and stuff with the on Pickleball Canada. The U.S. uses a similar um, thing as well. So, getting right into it for BC. So. First sanctioned tournament, as per this recording, is May 11th to the 14th, and it's actually the Provincial Championships. Wow, they're having it early this year. And that's going to be in Vernon. So if you're in BC and, hey, if you want to have a big, if you want to go to a big tournament for your first one and possibly get uh, named Provincial Champion, that'd be a good one to go to. Uh, after that, we have the Kamloops Open, obviously in Kamloops, and that one is from June 9th to the 11th. Then we have the Midsummer Slam in Surrey, which is July 14th to the 16th. And then actually the same weekend, there's also the Regency Kelowna Open in Kelowna. So depending on where you live, I guess, uh, pick which one is closer to you. And then after that, we have the Okanagan Vineyard Classic, and that's in West Kelowna. Now, if uh, you're like me, I actually used to live there back when it was called West Bank. Beautiful, beautiful place. And that is August 11th to the 13th. And then there is one more uh, sanctioned one for BC. It's on September 1st to 3rd, and that's the Grip and Rip. And that's also in Surrey. Now, 
BC has a bunch more tournaments listed that aren't uh, listed under sanctioned, at least at this point in time. Um, I recommend going to their website if you see any tournaments that are close to you because they got some in Christina Lake, they got some in Langley, they got some in, in Nanaimo, in Burnaby, all those places. So if you want to check that out, feel free. But those are some of the bigger tournaments that I listed where your ranking will get uh, done up via Pickleball Canada. All right, Alberta's up next. Now, these are the tournaments I'm most likely to go to just due to uh, driving and travel. Um, I live in northern Alberta, so usually the closest tournaments for me are like a five and a half hour drive away. So let's get right into it. So on March 17th to 19th, we have the Luck of the Irish Tournament in Stony Plain. Then we have the season opener in Spruce Grove, and that's June 2nd to 4th. Then actually Grand Prairie is hosting a tournament this year, and that's only a two-hour drive for me, so hopefully I can make it to that one. And that's the June 23rd to the 25th. Then Medicine Hat is hosting the Western Regional, so um, BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba players, um, if you're interested in going to a, big, a really big tournament, uh, Medicine Hat is an awesome facility, so that would be a good one to go to, and that's July 6th to 9th. Then we have the Summer Smash in Spruce Grove, July 28th to 30th. And then to cap off the summer anyways for sanctioned tournaments, we have the Provincials in Red Deer, and that's August 10th to the 13th. So looking forward to a lot, hopefully getting to a lot of those tournaments. Wow. Yeah, quick hands for a big man. All right, up next to Saskatchewan. Now, right now, there's only three tournaments listed. For uh, Saskatchewan right now, as of this recording at the beginning of February, um, we'll start off with the Prairie Polar Pickleball Playdown, and that's in Regina. That's the that's actually this month, February 18th to 19th. So depending on when you're listening to this recording, depends on if you can go to that. Um, then we have the Provincials, which are in Warman this year, and that's June 9th to the 11th. And then this year, Regina is actually hosting the National Championship this year. So this is... For everyone in Canada, um, it's being hosted at uh, their their pickleball hub and their uh, international trade center there in Regina. I played at the Western Regionals there last year. It's a beautiful facility. So if you want to go to the big the big big tournament in Canada, this would be the one to go to, and that's on August twenty third to the twenty seventh. Head out. Beautiful shot. All right, and to round it off, this is going to be the shortest one for Pickleball Manitoba just because I'm guessing they were just late posting the events, uh, at least for as of this recording, because right now we only have three tournaments listed. I don't even know if they're sanctioned. Um, I'm looking at the Pickleball Manitoba website right now. They have um, the Gimli Rec Recreational Center. Um, there's a tournament April 21st to the 23rd. Then they have the 55 plus games in Portage La Prairie, June 20th to 23rd. And then the Gimli Recreational Center again is hosting one September 15th to 17th. I don't know what to tell you. That's all they have posted right now. I'm assuming they're going to have their provincials and stuff posted hopefully later this month, uh, at the least so people can plan ahead. But, um, 
we'll see how it goes. If uh, I hear anything else, I'll uh, update it on a later uh, podcast. All right, moving on. Potential gold medal point. To stack or not to stack? That is the question. So for the, for the uninitiated, in doubles pickleball, there is a style of play called stacking, whereas the two players on the same team try to stay on the one side of each of them try to stay on one side of the court for the entire game. Now in pickleball, there is designated servers and designated receivers on the start of each rally. However, after the server has hit the ball and after the receiver has hit the ball on the receive, the players are free to move anywhere on the court after that. So you have a player who lines up on the right side of the court. You have a player who lines up on the left side of the court. If you want to keep them there, even when they've rotated to being on the opposite sides, basically after the receiver hits the ball, they can then switch over to the other side of the court. Now, the idea behind this is to keep your stronger player on the generally the right side of, or sorry, the left side of the court um, if they are a right-handed player. And then obviously if they're a left-hand player, you want to keep them on the right-hand side of the court. It's to keep their paddle, their main paddle hand in the center. So basically forehand in the center of the court. Now the reasoning behind this obviously is if you have a real strong player who has a wicked forehand, that way they get the majority of the balls because the unspoken rule in pickleball normally is if the ball is hit in the middle, forehand gets the uh, gets the uh, advantage. Now me and Irene don't use this strategy um one irene is a very strong player um i don't think i'm better than her in that regard i also think that anything below like a 4.5 or even like a 5.0 or pro player i don't believe this is a necessary strategy to use um for development purposes then you can only get used to hitting or receiving the ball in dinking battles on one side of the court, which can mess you up. So for example, if you're considered the player who's going on the right side of the court, so the quote unquote weaker player, unless of course you're left-handed, but that's, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, you're only going to be practicing your dinks with your forehand on the outside of the, uh, or majority of your dinks with your forehand on the outside of the court. Whereas if you're playing, same thing, if you're practicing on the left-hand side, you better have a really good backhand dink because the majority of the dinks coming to you will be to your backhand because players will try to avoid hitting it to your forehand. Um, for tournament purposes, when me and Irene come up against a team that tends to use this strategy, um, you're kind of telling us right away who you think your weaker player is. So for the start of the match, at least, we will start to hit balls to the person on the right-hand side of the court. Uh, just to test them out to see how well their dinking strategy is, how well they handle drives, and so on. And same thing for the player who's on the left-hand side of their court. We'll be hitting, at least at the start of the match, strategically just to their backhand. We won't be giving them any forehand shots because obviously if they're lined up that way, that's the way they want to hit the ball. So tournament-wise, if you're under 
like 4.0, 4.5. I don't recommend doing this. Um, it's also can become very confusing. We, myself and Irene have scored points against the team because they've lined up wrong. So the wrong person has returned the serve or the wrong person has served the ball. Now, of course, in a game, you can ask the ref if you're in the right position. But, you know, in the middle of a match, sometimes you forget to do that and you can lose points or you can lose serve uh, due to this. So I don't recommend it. Now, pro level is a completely different story. Like if you're playing with, for example, Ben Johns, who's the number one ranked male player on the pro circuit right now, I see no problem giving him um, the, uh, the full freedom to be the person on the left-hand side and have his forehand in there. When it's a player of that caliber, why wouldn't you want them to get a uh, majority of the shots? Um, but for anything under that, I don't really see the point. Now, like I said, unless you have one person who's right-handed and one person who's left-handed, that way, if you stack that way, you put the person who's right-hand on the left-hand side of the court so their forehand is in the middle. You put the lefty on the right-hand side of the court so their forehand is in the middle. If you want to do it that way, hey, then that's a bonus because then both your forehands are in the middle, so it's an advantage that way. But uh, for all intents and purposes, I don't really see the advantage of it um, aside from that. Like for me and Irene, if anything, it messes up other teams when we don't stack. Irene also has an insanely powerful forehand um, due to her volleyball background. She probably has a stronger um, forehand smash than I do. I'm more of a um, spin person um, slash finesse. So for me to take that away in a match from her makes no sense strategic wise for me. Uh, so we just switch up and play normal as if uh, neither of us um, has an advantage. So we both take turns on the left, we both take turns on the right, and we basically just play it straight up. Um, the other thing with me is I'm also um, semi ambidextrous. So if I'm on the left hand, if I'm on the right or the left, depending on where the ball is hit, I can switch to my left hand. I am predominantly a right-handed player, but I do have the ability to switch to my left. I can dink forehand backhand with my left. I can slam the ball with my left. So depending on where the ball is, just how I react to it, I will hit it with that. So for me, it doesn't really matter what side of the court I'm on. Basically, either side for me can be my forehand or my backhand. So yeah, so with to recap with stacking, um, if you're just learning or just going to your first tournament, I don't recommend it. Um, if anything, it might unless you're practicing it with your partner on a regular basis with at drop-in games or just together, um, it tends to cause confusion. Like I said, every time we've come up against a team that's stacking, we've gotten at least one point, or if not a point, have at least gotten serve advantage back because they've lined up in the wrong position or the wrong person is served or the wrong person um, was the, um, lined up as a designated um, return off the start of the rally. So feel free, feel free to let me know if you disagree. Like I said, at the pro level, um, all those players are good enough that you can do stack, you can do not stack. I find, in, especially in mixed, if you watch pro level, they tend to stack with the male on the left and the female on the right um obviously for obvious reasons like yeah there's a team of like ben johns who's the number one ranked male when he teams with um waters who's the number one ranked female um he's on the left she's on the right even though she is more than capable of being on uh the left um like when she plays women's double she's on the she's on the left but um 
that are both skilled enough that they can react, they can play and and adjust to that as it goes. But yeah, like I said, for um, less than pro, um, like I said, unless you're doing lots of practice with it with your partner, I just recommend playing straight up and switching sides. You also get more practice that way with your backhand dinks, with your forehand dinks, and adjusting to the flow of the game. Yes! Good job! Good hustle! All right, so the pickleball news of the month. Um, last week, they had the first Major League Pickleball event debut. Uh, so that was really entertaining to watch. Um, the two big things that kind of came out of that, or at least semi-newsworthy, was um, uh, possible rally scoring in pickleball and then line calls. So I'll go, go over line calls first. So on the pro level, um, there's still just one ref. And then the players are calling the lines in and out. So the referee's job in pickleball is to call service faults and kitchen faults. Whereas the sidelines, the players call that. And then if a player disagrees, they can challenge to the official. If the official saw it clearly, then they can overrule it. So the uh, argument was brought up by a few pro players. Uh, Catherine Parento from Canada being one of them. She's, I think, the number rate, number two ranked female in singles and like the number three ranked in doubles right now. Um, she brought up the fact that um, what's a way uh, pickleball could work on that, whether they bring in a new, another official, whether they incorporate something similar to pro tennis where, you know, they have like the digital thing where if a player challenges, they bring up the, that overhead computer shot and it shows the ball clearly in or out. Um, I think for at least the pro level, what, uh, Level-wise, they should do something like that, whether if it's uh, they have two refs, say one ref is in an elevated position like a higher-up chair, and they call the sidelines, and then the uh, main official call, still calls the service faults and the kitchen faults. Because um, let's face it, these are pro athletes. They're getting paid to do this. There's money on the line in these events. So for them to have to call those in and outs, like when there's big dollars on the line like that, you don't want to say anyone's going to cheat, but you know, you really say if that ball's really close and you really want it to be out, you might think that it's out and not make that right call. And if the referee doesn't see it clearly right now, then the call stands. Um, as far as like an amateur tournament where like I go and play in and stuff like that, because like I said, I'm only playing 3.5, 4.0 right now. I don't see this being as big of an issue. Um, Majority of, the majority of the sanctioned tournaments, there's referees for all of them, or at least bare minimum, the medal matches. And I've only really had to challenge very rarely a few calls by other teams once in a while. And it's more so just because I had a better angle and I'll go to the ref. ref was that in? Was that out? And the ref will confirm whether or not um, and adjust the call accordingly. Um, it's never been to the point where I've been like really mad and like, no, that was clearly out or that was clearly in type of thing um and actually the one uh nationals tournament we did go to um back in 2020 where irene won um individual gold in women's singles um they did actually bring in extra refs uh for that gold medal match they had line judges for each of the sidelines just because it was one of the last matches of the day so they had extra officials around so there was a few times when her opponent called the ball out and the line judge was like nope that's in so if they can do that for a 3.0 gold medal match at nationals, they should be able to do that for pro level. 
um, until they get until pickleball gets up to the level where they can get lots of money in like that for like the equivalents of like tennis or like basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, um, soccer or football if you're from the UK. Um, to that level of income coming in where they can afford to get that, you know, technology for that stuff. Because the technology exists, it's whether or not these tournaments can afford it or not. Um, so my opinion on that is it's more of a pro issue right now. Because um, obviously, like I said, these are pro, these are paid athletes. They shouldn't have to be making those in and out calls. There should be an official there for that with all the with all those big dollars on the line. As for lower level tiers like that i don't see an issue right now like i said every now and then you're going to come up come across someone who you're wondering okay are they do they need some a new pair of glasses because that was ball was clearly in and they're calling it out um but that's very far and few between at least in my experience and once you get up to metal match and once you get and when you have an officiated match anyways you go to the ref to challenge and most of the refs i've dealt with are very very good they're watching that stuff when it's close and they will call it in or out. Um, so that's it for the line calls. Um, the other thing that came up was rally points. Um, they did do a modified version of this at this Major League Pickleball event. Um, and it was like a fun little experiment. It was entertaining because they had like um, Annalie Waters, who's like the number one uh, female. She actually played Tyson McGuffin, who was like the number two ranked male player. And they did rally points in that one. So... Um, no matter who was serving, you could score points regardless. Now, it was a fun little experiment to do, especially where it was just a, a single female versus a single male event. But in a, as a whole, I um, people were suggesting, oh, maybe we should switch this to being the full thing for pickleball all the time. Now, I'm against that. Many, many of the pros are against that, including all the the high-level ranked ones. The main reason for me is I like that pickleball kind of has its own thing as it's one of those sports that still does scoring only on the serve. Volleyball used to do that years ago, and they've switched to rally scoring. Now they also upped the score, though, because before when it was you could only score on the serve, it was only going to like 15, whereas now it's up to 25 because of rally scoring. So if pickleball wanted to switch to that, I would say the same thing. You have to extend the score. If it's 11 right now, extend it to 21 if you really want to do that. Um, I do like the way it is right now. I find that um, people are more willing to try riskier plays like ATPs, Ernie's, uh, tweeners, which is the between the leg shots, um, doing extra spins on the ball. Because you have that, if you're serving, you have that advantage of, okay, yes, I might not get the point, but it's not, it's not it's going to, it will just cost me my serve and then I have to go on the defensive end. Whereas if it's rally points, people, I at least in my the way I see it, will become a little bit more tentative. They're not going to try those riskier shots. They're not going to try those kind of highlight reel shots as much at the at the possible risk of losing a point instead of just losing serve. So I find it will it may speed up games because that was one of the big issues is sometimes games take forever. I myself have been in like a what felt like an Iron Man match, a match that was singles it went a full three uh full three sets and took like almost an hour to play um back at the tournament uh, the open tournament in december in december at the center in edmonton they had the championship match with brad chapman in it for the doubles uh open gold and it was a f um, best out of five sets it went the full five sets it was a full two hour long match 
So I understand the reasoning to want to speed up the game a little bit, but I think trying to speed it up just for that is going to deter, in my opinion, at least could deter the, the quality of the game. I find the games are more intense when you can only score on your serve. You have to earn it. You're on the defensive end when you're returning. You're trying to force the serve back to you. So, yeah, my personal opinion on that is I like the way it is. I like the scoring system the way it is. I don't think that's a thing in pickleball that needs to be changed. There's other things that can be changed that I think pickleball still needs to work on. Like it's still, and unfortunately, it still has that stigma of being an older person sport. It had, I've seen the Fox report, the, the Fox News, where they slammed as being like lazy tennis, which is not true if you've ever played a if you've ever played a match. I'm sweating buckets after, but um, we don't. You don't need to get rid of a good thing of a niche sport, which pickleball still is considered a niche sport right now. You don't want to get get rid of one of the good features just to appease a time constraint. So if there's other things they want to fix, like at it, like like I said, the line thing with judges and stuff like that, that's something you can fix. Or, I don't know, some, something else you can fix, but I don't think the scoring system is something that needs to be fixed right now. Um, you can go, it was on uh, Twitter, it was on a bunch of people, a bunch of the big pickleball players, Instagram, them all talking about that. There were some who were agreeing for it. There were some that were arguing against it. Majority of the higher levels, like the top top five ranked players, or arguing against rally rally scoring, they like the way it is. They like the intensity of the game. So, I agree with that opinion on it. And um, that's probably all I have to say about that. Those two right now. Um, the Major League Pickleball was a really neat event. Um, that would also be a really neat thing to incorporate in tournaments. Is basically you have teams of two men, two women, and you do kind of a doubles. Men's doubles, women's doubles, mixed doubles match against another team, and it's like a games per one type of thing, kind of all like the Rogers Cup for uh, Canada, um, which actually Canada won this year, which was really awesome. But um, that type of st- that type of style of tournament it, um, sounds really interesting. I wouldn't mind trying that out if that ever becomes a regular thing. And yeah, if you want to check some of the highlights of that Major League Pickleball premiere, just type it in on YouTube. There's lots of highlights that have come up with that. Um, and that'll be the place to look for that. All right, so that concludes the uh, Pickleball news of the month. Let's move on to questions. All right, so we had two questions, and both were actually given to me in person uh, by uh, people who were listening to the podcast who live near me. So thanks, guys, for uh, saying hi. I won't pop out names just because I didn't ask ahead of time. Um, the first question was who actually got me and Irene into pickleball. And I did forget to mention this in the first episode, but that uh, big shout out goes to Ed. Um, I won't say his last name just in case he doesn't want one uh, his uh, last name on record here, but um, we knew Ed from uh, the gym we work out at and uh, Every now and then he was missing class. I was like, well, where are, you, where are you going all this all the time? And he was like, oh, I'm going and playing pickleball. And I was like, well, what's that? And then he kind of pitched us on it. On it. And then after a couple weeks, we're like, oh, well, we got to try this out. This seems interesting. And then we just got hooked after that. So big thanks to Ed. He got us into it. So if it, technically if it wasn't for him pitching us on pickleball, this podcast wouldn't even exist. So shout out to Ed on that. Uh, big thanks to you, buddy. Um, 
Second question was, um, what tournaments am I actually going to this year? Now, I do have a possible job change coming up this year, so that might throw off my, availabil my availability for certain tournaments. Me and Irene are hoping um, in March to go to, there's one called Luck of the, the Luck of the Irish one in Stony Plain. I haven't seen it yet pop up on brackets, so I'm still not sure about that. Um, I did have uh, an, a partner reach out to me asking me if I was going to anything soon in Edmonton. So uh, that would be the first one. We are hoping to do uh, the, the, the big three, the provincials, the Western regionals, and the nationals in Regina. Um, like I said, I, I'm about to have a slight occupation change. Uh, so my, depending on what time off I can get, depends on if I can go to all of those, but those will be the, the main, the main ones we're looking to get to. If we can get to more than that, we definitely will. I just saw on pickleball brackets today that there's a charity tournament, um, later this year, um, at the center, um, which sounds really cool. They're going to have celebrities there. Um. I didn't pull it up what it was for. One second here. Give me a sec. It is for. Do, 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 do. This sounds awesome on the podcast, I'm sure. It is for uh, lung, transplant, uh, lung transplant patients and their families. So that's held at the EPV Center, and that's going to be on May 5th and 6th. This isn't a sanctioned tournament, but I would love to go to this just because it's for a good cause. Like, who wouldn't want to go to that, right? So um, that's the questions for this uh, episode. This was a little bit shorter episode. Um, once again, I don't have a tournament to go to in February. Um, couldn't get a uh, kit. My kids are in... Uh, are in competitive swimming so we're going to a bunch of their swim meets this month uh, daughter qualified for provincials which is awesome so we're going to be doing that um, so hopefully in march we'll get to do our first uh, tournament of the year and then we'll go from there so march you'll hopefully we'll get uh, the the um the, the weekend of the tournament i'll have a bunch of live um audio possibly even video footage from that and then um the main podcast for that month as well so you'll get a double dose next month so thanks for listening, guys, and uh, hope to see you on the next one. Don't forget, uh, if you want to ask any questions, you can, if you know me personally, you can uh, come up and ask me a question that way. Uh, if not, uh, reach out to me on either Twitter, Instagram, or you can even leave comments on the YouTube channel. So Twitter and Instagram, those are both Gorms1307, and the YouTube channel is AG Squared Pickleball. All right, see you guys next time. That. What a way to end it with an overhead smash, and not just an overhead We're smash, but a match. jumping overhead smash by Irene. So Irene and Andrew from East River, Alberta, gold medalists.